This is the Dairy Download brought to you by Everag Insights and the International Dairy Foods Association, where we offer extra sharp market and policy insights on dairy. I'm your host, Phil Plord. And I'm your co-host, Kathleen Wolfley. Today's episode is about holiday dairy demand. First, we'll speak with an executive who works on demand planning for a major cheese company. Then we sit down with a gentleman who knows a lot about butter use this time of year. We'll get to that in a bit. As always, thanks to our listeners. If you enjoy this free podcast being delivered to your inboxes and favorite podcast apps every other week, please, please, please thank our episode sponsor, tell a friend about the show, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's sponsor is Infor. Infor is transforming dairy businesses worldwide with ERP, supply chain, and product lifecycle solutions tailored to fit industry needs. Find out how at infor.com slash dairy. All right, Kathleen, where are we now? Okay, Phil, CME spot prices as of Wednesday, October 26th. Cheddar blocks closed at $2, down a nickel on the week. Barrels finished at $1.98, down 23 cents on the week. Important to note here that barrels are back below blocks for the first time since August. The butter market saw spot prices down to $3.15, 5 cents lower. Non-fat dry milk market closed at $1.42, 2 cents lower on the week. Okay, Phil, what is your most important thing right now? I'm keeping an eye on EU milk production. We have a five-week streak now where milk production in France Germany and the UK is above your prior levels. That's after an extended period of declines. It's not a lot, and we're keeping score against weakness, but I do think it's fair to wonder if the world can take much more milk out of Europe, just given a fragile demand situation, declining GDP prices for powders. Uh, I don't know. It feels like it might not take much piling on, if you will, from Europe or anywhere else for that matter to keep these markets with a little bit of downward pressure. What about you? To me, it's weakness in Chinese demand. So we've seen two consecutive GDT auctions with the index down by more than 4%. And the data suggests that China import volumes into the region stayed soft in September. So in general, I think the combination of China's weaker economy and a continuation of this zero COVID policy could continue to weigh on just overall dairy demand into China. Which is why we might not be able to take much more milk out of the EU, right? Exactly, exactly. What's your stat of the week, Kathleen? My stat of the week is mortgage rates. Data from Freddie Mac says the average rate on 30-year mortgages are up to 7.08%. That's the highest level since 2002 and is up from 3.14% this time last year. Skyrocketing mortgages means that we could see further slowdown in home sales. Just makes those houses that much more expensive. And as a matter of fact, not coincidentally, uh, this week we saw data from S&P on the Case-Shiller Home Price Index for August, my style of the week, down 0.9%. That's the month-to-month change in home prices, according to that index. That's the biggest decline since 2014. And the first time we've seen two months with declines back-to-back, going all the way back to 2011. So that housing sector, which has been a source of kind of persistent strength for the U.S. economy, yeah, it's going to be tough to see that keep going in a 7% interest rate environment. Okay, Phil, fearless prediction time. What you got? Well, 
I keep focusing on the ones that I've gotten right, which I think that list is smaller this year than last year. But you know, we did kind of say that cheese prices wouldn't get over 240 or whatever once they were there in May. That was the high for the year. That's going to prove to be right. As we look at year end and the first quarter of next year, I don't think we will see block cheddar print below $1.75 per pound between now and the end of the first quarter. Is that a daily print? Well, yeah, any day. Any day. Below 175. I don't think we're going to see it between now and the end of Q1. All right. Pretty bold, Phil. I'm going to go with milk production. I think that milk production in the fourth quarter will increase over 2021 by more than 1%. Now, those two fearless predictions are a little bit in opposition with each other. They sure are. If you're right, it's going to increase the odds that I'm wrong. But we'll see how it goes. Only time will tell. All right, Phil, let's get to our first guest. We're excited to welcome Chris McCarthy to the show today. Chris is Vice President of Pricing and Demand Planning at Sargento Foods. Before taking that role, Chris served in other leadership positions with Sargento, including Vice President of Strategic Planning, Director of Integrated Marketing Communications, and Marketing Director. His career also includes stints with Heinz and Kimberly Clark. Chris, welcome to the Dairy Download. Hey, thanks for having me. Really excited to speak with you guys today. So can you tell us a little bit about Sargento's offerings? Where can our listeners find and consume Sargento products? Yeah, well, Sargento is really proud to be the the number one brand of natural cheese in America. We do offer a wide variety of natural cheese products, including sliced cheese, shredded cheese, chunks, and refrigerated snacks. And within our snacks portfolio, we have both kind of your standard string and stick cheese, as well as our award-winning line of Balanced Breaks products which pairs delicious natural cheese with crackers and dried fruit or nuts. And our products are available nationwide at most grocery stores, mass merchandisers, club stores, online retailers, you name it. Um, So you can hopefully find us at all your favorite spots. So kind of getting down to brass tacks, how do you see inflation impacting sales? Are customers cutting back or do you think that cheese shreds and slices are always going to be a staple? Well, you know, ever since COVID-19 you know, hit in 2020, we have seen definitely a shift in consumer behavior towards more in-home eating. And the NPD Group, which is a leading market research company which tracks eating patterns, um, has reported that there's been about a 2% shift from out-of-home eating to more in-home eating occasions since the pandemic. And 2% may not sound like a lot, but this really does represent millions of eating occasions across the United States each year. And so this consumer behavior seems to be sticking around, but it's interesting to think about what's the driver of the behavior. While initially this might have been pandemic related, as people wanted to eat more at home because maybe they were uncomfortable about eating out at restaurants, the continuation of the behavior is really more about maybe inflation now. And so eating out has definitely become more expensive, ingredients cost more, and labor is more expensive or in short supply. So for a company that sells sliced and shredded cheese for consumers at home usage, we certainly are benefiting from um, seeing the impact of people staying at home and opting for sandwiches, mac and cheese, and, and other favorite cheesy recipes. Within that trend, Chris, are you seeing other trends in consumption? Thicker slices, different styles, different blends? Sargento has a wide variety of offerings. It'd be interesting to hear what, what you're seeing there. Yeah, well, when it comes to cheese consumption, I, I think probably two trends are sort of rising to the top for me. First, in natural cheese, we're seeing that consumers are really more interested in enjoying kind of the full traditional experience of real natural cheese. So not only has there been a shift away from processed cheese to more natural cheese over time, but even within natural cheese, we've seen consumers shift 
away from um, reduced fat varieties and thinner cuts. In fact, thicker slices and traditional shreds that replicate the experience of eating cheese shredded right off the block are really starting to gain a lot of momentum. And then the second trend that I would mention is really around snacking. And there's really been an increase in snacking behavior over time. You know, this, is, uh, this whole snacking behavior has really increased in popularity over the past decade. Um, not so much that people are eating kind of three traditional meals every day anymore. There's a lot of snacking behavior that is you know, included in, in everybody's routine these days. So based on that behavior, you know, we know that natural cheese really has some great credentials for on-the-go wholesome snacking. Um, today, people are looking for you know, items that don't compromise on taste for nutrition and, uh, and health. So our snacking cheese has always been, I think, kind of a really good option for on-the-go snacking. And now they're being used, I think, also as meal replacements and add-on to meals. You know, our balance breaks, as an example, are really great to throw in a lunchbox as a complement to a packed lunch. And then recently, in, in 2021, we introduced our Sargento balance breaks with cheese and crackers, which was a partnership with Mondelez International. And so this pairs you know, our Sargento cheese with some leading branded of brands of crackers, including Ritz and Wheat Thins and Triscuits. And this partnership has been really uh, successful and a lot of consumers have, have been excited about this product. How do promotions play into Sargento's sales strategy? Is it a big focus right now? Well, promotions are definitely you know, an important part of how we deliver value to our consumers. Um, during the pandemic, we saw that a lot of manufacturers had pulled back on a lot of their promotions for various reasons, including supply chain challenges, consumer behavior shifts, and even fewer promotional vehicles being available. And now retailers are asking uh, all these manufacturers to get back to their historical lever- levels of promotional investment. So from our perspective, you know, we've seen that consumers are buying more base or non-promoted volume during the pandemic because consumers were going to buy cheese regardless as cooking from home became a much more popular, even necess- necessary behavior. And now I think it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. We're seeing um, some co- how the consumer behavior is playing out. As some retailers are seeing that there's a higher level of base volume that's sticking, whereas other retailers' promotions are becoming much more of a historical type of a mix. So we continue to invest in key seasonal promotion promotional periods like back to school, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Super Bowl to ensure that our Sargento products are always available at a really accessible price point for our consumers. So as the end of year holidays approach, what's your outlook for holiday dairy demand? How do you think consumption will differ this season versus the last two years and pre-pandemic? Well, we are anticipating that we should have pretty solid holiday demand this year. You know, as I previously mentioned, we're expecting that in-home eating behavior will continue and there'll be fewer meals consumed out of home. And so the driver this year probably reflects more about inflation rather than the pandemic. But we do anticipate that holiday sales will be in line with the sales numbers we've seen the last couple of years. And for context, this really is a significant increase versus pre-pandemic volume. We are about a month away from Thanksgiving. When, in your opinion, does holiday demand really start to pick up? Do you see shoppers buying food earlier this year or waiting for those last minute uh, deals? Well, I think it's become pretty clear already that retailers are trying to get an earlier jump on holiday shopping this year. You know, it's interesting to see that Amazon had an additional Prime Day earlier in October, which then, of course, caused a lot of other retailers to react with their own you know, seasonal deals. And due to the pandemic, you know, the, I think the whole Black Friday shopping holiday you know, has become less of a thing over the past couple of years, which has given the retailers an opportunity to kind of spread out their deals and draw on shoppers for a more sustained period of time leading up to the holidays rather than just sort of one big focused single event. 
And I believe food shopping is going to be pretty similar. I think retailers are going to want to get shoppers in early, attract them with promotions that, that hadn't been in place the past couple of years, and then maintain their loyalty with sustaining promotional activity throughout the holiday season. So I think it's going to be pretty consistent promotional opportunities throughout the season this year. And when do those promotions start to get planned? I mean, conversationally, we always talk like talk about, uh, well, you know, we're already doing Memorial Day by the time you get to Thanksgiving, you know, just conversationally. How, how long, how much lead time is there on promotions from your Sargento's perspective? Yeah, well, it does vary by retailer and what their expectations are. But I think a general rule of thumb is at least probably three to six months in advance is when retailers are looking to manufacturers to um, lock in what their promotional prices will be for those key holiday periods. So Chris, Sargento is headquartered in Plymouth, Wisconsin, which I'm pretty sure is the cheese slicing, dicing, and shredding capital of the world. What's it like to be at Sargento? What are some facts about the company? Well, yes, uh, Sargento is really a a fun place to work. We have a a great group of people that we call the Sargento family. And, uh, you know, a couple fun things just to... uh, uh, know about Sargento is every one of our conference rooms here in our headquarters is named after a different type of cheese. So you might have a, a meeting in the cheddar conference room or the Swiss conference room. Uh, so it's sometimes a little hard to keep track of which cheese is on which floor. So is there is bad news delivered in the Lindberger room or? <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Uh, so that's pretty fun. And then, you know, another fun fact is a little, you know, historical uh, uh, anecdote was, Back in uh, 2006, we had 100 production employees that hit a $228 million Powerball jackpot. And quite a few of those lottery winners still work in our facilities here today. So they, you know, they were such a you know, fan of, of working at Sargento that, that they continue to do so even after that uh, big windfall. Nothing like driving a Lamborghini to the working at the plant, huh? I think there were a few new vehicles that showed up in the parking lot. They continue to work here today, so it's a pretty cool story. I was actually at a meeting one time where Louis Gentine was in the meeting, and we were the U.S. senator, actually. And the senator asked, is that really you in the commercials? And uh, that, that's kind of interesting, too, is that you know, yeah, Lou and Louis are, are, are quasi-television personalities. That is true. Yeah. So so Lou is our second generation family owner and, and Louie, who's our current CEO, is a third generation. And that is them in the commercials. And uh, a little fun story. I was with Louie in a store one time and uh, he handed a shopper a, a, a coupon and the lady said, thank you. And then he turned the package over and pointed to his picture on the back of the package and said, hey, look, that's me. And, and uh she was really blown away. It was uh, quite a, you know, fun. Um, she was very starstruck uh, by seeing Louie in person in the grocery store. Wisconsin cheese famous. There you have it. That's right. Well, Chris, we really appreciate your time and insights today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Dairy Download. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciated the opportunity to talk with you guys today. Now let's hear from someone in the butter space. We are excited today to have JP Vista with us. JP is Senior Vice President of Retail and Private Brands at Challenge Dairy Products, which distributes Challenge Butter, Danish Creamery, and Private Butter Brand products. In his role, JP is responsible for driving the success of the Challenge Brands in retail and food service channels. Recently, Cook's Illustrated Magazine named Challenge a top butter for use in everyday cooking and baking. JP, welcome to the Dairy Download. Thanks for having me. So we're just about at Halloween. 
Thanksgiving is within some short number of days away, all of a sudden, how much busier is your business at this time of the year? Uh, very busy. The good news is, you know, for the past two years, butter demand has been really strong. Uh, but there's clearly like a distinct seasonality of our business. If you look at the fourth quarter, so October through December, about 35% of our sales will occur during those months. Easter is obviously another big time with about 10%, but that seasonality in butter, people getting together, baking, cooking, uh, family entertainment, those holidays, Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas is about almost half of our annual volume. And how does Challenge prepare for the holiday baking season? So there's really like a two-fold approach that we take. So with customers, we actually start planning for Q4 and Q1. So we're getting forecasts from uh, that group. We're planning our production and our inventory accordingly. But ultimately, when it comes to fourth quarter, it's about having product available when and where it needs to be shelves fold. But then when it comes to consumers, we really focus on sort of how do we help them save time and bring some inspiration to their holidays. So that could be like tips and tricks with recipes, uh, our social media. Last year, we did a Thanksgiving sort of time-saving uh, holiday guide. So how to cook all your meals inside ahead of time, save time. So we're constantly doing things to sort of inspire the consumer piece in, in preparation of the holidays. And then with the customer, it's really around supply chain, making sure product availability. I always find that if I remember to take the butter out of the refrigerator when it calls for softened butter, that that always helps save time for me. <laughs> that's yeah, like the, the last. That's the la that's the literal last mile. <laughs> well, uh, the one we did last year uh, was a little bit unique take. So we uh, went with some chefs and we tested uh, doing your turkey with the spreadable butter. So some of the oil blends as well. So soft right out of there. You can lather up your turkey and you're ready to go. Yum. How do you expect butter demand to change this holiday season? Are are you keeping an eye on any specific trends? pandemics in sort of the rear view and people still value getting together. Uh, it's a special time that, you know, has not been really normal for the past couple of years. Uh, so with that being said, we still expect demand to be very strong this holiday season as people are really cherishing that time together. You know, overall butter ranks really high from uh, importance to shoppers at that holiday period. You can't have your cookies. You can't have for Santa. You can't have your baking needs without butter. Uh, so we expect demand to be very strong out of the gate. Uh, we've seen that so far a month to date here in October, very strong demand over last year too. And we're coming off two year highs in the category. So this is, you know, noticeably bigger than pre pandemic levels. Uh, but in terms of like sort of what we're seeing, those trends around getting together, saving time, simple ingredients, you know, butter ticks all those boxes and is a staple during that holiday period. Let's talk about price for a minute. Uh, sure. You know, inflationary pressures are all over the place. You know, CME butter prices this year, record highs over $3 <laughs> per pound. I'm guessing you're aware of that. When you look at retail data, you know, we've seen butter prices up over $5.75 per pound, you know, so the normal price in, in grocery stores. How do you expect that may change demand this season? And how are you guys grappling with those inflationary pressures as you work with your customers? Well, I'll start with the latter piece first. So in terms of the pressures, I mean, we're not unique, uh, either us as Challenge CDI or the industry as a whole, uh, in terms of the impact that we're dealing with. So there's no exception versus other CPG categories. Our energy costs, whether it be gas, electric or up, uh, labor costs, uh, for our farmer owners, they're having significant on-farm costs that I'm sure you guys are well aware of, increases around feed. So there's no exception in terms of like what we're dealing with. But from a customer perspective, 
that's where sort of this planning comes in where we can do some things on futures markets, but it's really around the smarter planning, trying to find any and all efficiencies, whether it be logistics, uh, making sure we're constantly sending out full truckloads, uh, leveraging our scale through production runs, procurement efforts, but we're doing everything we possibly can to mitigate these costs so consumers can still have butter be a key staple of their holiday uh, meal planning. I'm guessing you may be as puzzled as I've been to see these stories about shortages of butter. And while certainly the supplies are tighter this year, yep. you know, we're not at crisis stocks levels or anything like that. But here's a here's something that I've wondered about as I've looked at the data over the past few weeks. Do you think it's possible that these shortage stories are actually driving a little bit of extra demand just in case? Because some of these October numbers have been really, uh, really spicy. I don't think it's so much the shortage that's driving demand. I think people are still trying to sort of grapple with sort of the the consumer demand. So as inflation's hitting other aspects of their life, I mean, you know, out here in California, gas is over $6 right now. So they may be eating out less, but then they're coming home and they're trying to have that experience of sort of the the more elevated experience at home in some of those restaurant um you know, qualities, if you will. So they're really investing in things, premium products, you know, butter makes everything taste better. So uh, lots of butter usage, lots of baking at home. Uh, so we don't see them sort of shortchanging uh, butter just based on the importance it has in sort of their lifestyles at home here. How would you say your relationships with grocers has changed over the past few years? Uh, it's definitely more strategic than transactional. So if you think about, obviously the pandemic supply chain became top of mind and Product assurance is still, you know, high in terms of importance, but we have seen that shift back to category growth, and especially in our category where you're coming off these pandemic peaks where we've seen significantly increased demand, like I was alluding to earlier. You know, it's really about how do we grow that overall category? One more trip, one more purchase, and incremental growth is sort of the name of the game uh, that we're focused on. I'm very confident we're sort of leading the category in terms of those insights around. How are the sub-segments that the, the consumer shop? And then also, what are those consumer segments? And how do we sort of merge those together to find growth strategies to get that incremental trip or purchase? In addition, we are bringing out significant innovation. Uh, in the past year, we launched our snack spreads, which hit new benefits or new uh, occasions around day parts, appeal to a little younger demographic. We launched an avocado, so new benefits in the spreadable space. But we're really focused on innovation to sort of appeal to different users, appeal to different occasions, and then uh, sort of drive that incremental growth. The other aspect, though, with grocers, it's always about margin. So it's how do we sort of find those supply chain efficiencies? How do we sort of you know leverage forecasting, do some things on the creative side around uh, futures markets, and then also shared risk, ultimately to drive out costs and save money for the consumer? So I guess a similar question, how have your relationships changed with food service operators? Similar sort of conversation in that while... They also become more strategic, but we're really more reactionary in terms of the demand because their demand can sort of change at, at the flip of a coin, if you will, especially as we've seen some of the sort of inflation hit other consumers in other aspects of life. They're reacting to demand. So as demand pulls down, we sort of flex and move up with them, uh, vice versa, but very similar manner. So those of us who have been in the industry for you know years and have heard of challenge, but many people who live, let's say, east of the Rocky Mountains haven't seen much of it over the years. But now all of a sudden, you know, in my local Walmart, I believe, I see challenge butter here in Madison, Wisconsin. Yep. How has challenge been gaining traction outside of the West? 
Yeah, well, I'm originally from uh, Philadelphia myself, so, uh, you know, but I've been in the dairy industry my whole career and uh, was well aware of who Challenge was and CDI as a whole, as a cooperative. We truly are pioneers in butter making. We've been making butter uh, in the co-op for 111 years now. Uh, We are the uh, second largest farmer-owned cooperative, but the largest butter manufacturer. And we take pride in that position as the largest butter manufacturer to deliver the best butter possible. We are churn fresh daily. Our farmer owners are within 40 miles of our plant, so it's constantly going from farm to churn within 48 hours. We do not source any of our milk elsewhere. So outside of our cooperative, it's a wholly owned sort of pipeline of the milk there. Uh, But if you think about that sort of pioneering aspect, we're really trying to tap into that past two years and bring back innovation. Like I mentioned, the snack spreads, avocado. Uh, This upcoming year, we're relaunching our Danish brand. Our co-op was actually founded by Danish immigrants. uh, So the Danish brand is actually older than our challenge brand. So we're looking to bring that back and really showcase a super premium offering from an American dairy company uh, that we're very excited about. What makes the Danish brand different? So it's small batch, slow churn. Uh, We run that actually out of our Fresno plant, 85% butter fat. We have some innovation I can't really talk about that's going to be coming in that space as well. But uh, we're pretty excited about that. But same with our challenge brand. I mean, uh, we have some things up our sleeves on that brand to sort of appeal to consumers as we expand uh, throughout the country. We're already in all 50 states, but we look forward to uh, surprising and delighting consumers throughout the country in the years to come. So, JP, can you talk about butter boards? You know, I've seen this on TikTok. It seems to be one of these hot trends. Does it actually move the needle? And what are you guys seeing and hearing? Well, anytime butter is uh, top of mind in consumers and they're talking about it, we view that as a good thing, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, who was it, BTS and the song Butter last year that came out. Uh, any any PR on butter we think is a good thing. But yeah, these butter boards have taken off uh, tremendously on social media. So it was a TikTok trend. It's basically a spin on a charcuterie board, but instead of cheese, you're using butter, uh, topping it with all sorts of unique ingredients, and then uh, taking your... Uh, fresh bread or your crackers and uh, having that sort of familial uh, social entertainment there. So we actually uh, had uh, one of our influencers that we partner with on social media do a butterboard with our salted caramel snack spread. Uh, they had candied apples and uh, the such walnuts, so forth and so on. And we're already up to over 2 million views on that one. So there's definitely consumer demand for these butterboards. Clearly, I have been missing out on the trend. <laughs> This is all news to me. Come on now, Kathleen. Let's go. Get get out the butter on the board. (laughs) It's my kind of trend. I think it's going to be very big during the holiday season. So you'll see a lot of uh, social media posts from your friends and family. Well, JP, we really appreciate your insights on butter here this morning. Thank you so much for joining us on the Dairy Download. Thank you. That's a wrap for today's show. As always, we want to thank our production team, Matt Herrick, Michael Gooden, and Andrew Jerome at IDFA, and Corey Romero over here at Everag Insights. If you are interested in what Kathleen and I do for our day jobs, check us out at ever.ag. Remember, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Infor. Discover how your dairy business can count on Infor Cloud Solutions to improve food safety, minimize waste, and provide greater supply chain transparency. Learn more at infor.com slash dairy. Thanks for listening to the Dairy Download. Until next time, stay sharp.